On a beautiful run through the park on a pleasant day, you can easily get lost. No, no, no! She didn't kill him. Huh? In your true crime podcast. It was the pool guy. So obvious. Whatever motivates you works for us. It's all about letting your run be your run. And Brooks is here for every runner, doing the research and sweating the details to create gear that works for you. It's your run. Brooks, run happy. Guest. My name is Dimitri Filipovich, and joining me is my good buddy Ryan Lambert. Ryan, what's going on, man? Oh, you know, getting ready for Thanksgiving. We we have it in November. Yeah. That's right. Uh, also known as the day where I just watch a lot of football during the day. Mm. Um, so here's the plan for today. We uh, we opened up the mailbag. We got a bunch of great questions on Twitter from our awesome followers. They really came through. You know, sometimes it can be nervous. This time they really delivered. And so we're going to try to reward them for it by just getting to as many of them as we can here. Now, for future reference, Ryan and I alternate writing the weekly mailbags at EP Ringside. So if you'd like to send questions to get answered in an upcoming edition, please do so. Um, you can tweet at us, but I think the best way moving forward is to email them. Um, I believe it's mailbag at eliteprospects.com. It allows you to go a bit longer mm-hmm. without character restrictions, and it keeps them all in one tidy place so we don't lose track of them in our mentions. Um, so with that said, Ryan alluded to it. It is Thanksgiving in the States this week. I know there's a lot of people that listen to the show that will either be traveling to go see family or just going to have more free time on their hands than usual. And so hopefully we can uh, we can keep them some company, entertain them here for the next hour, and uh, and, and let's right get into it. Um, so let's start with a real banger. We got a, we got a question here from B33- who asks, what is your Mount Rushmore of bad GMs of the cap era? <laughs> and and, and look, before, I'll, I'll let you take the floor here, but um, B33 minus Twitter name is quite fittingly. What does John Weisbrod do though? And <laughs> I'm not sure if you're familiar with John Weisbrod, uh, Ryan, but he has a, uh, his resume is, is something else. I highly recommend a, a deep dive, whether it's just as rudimentary as Wikipedia or whatever, like you need to familiarize yourself. Am I, am I correct in remembering he is the guy who went to the Quebec high school game where he saw um, uh, Mark Jankowski take a bunch of kids who were never going to even play in the OHL school. And I uh, was like, we got to draft this kid. I feel, I feel like that was a Weiss broad move. Not only was that correct in your memory, Mm-hmm. But and that's what I associate him with him with most because he notoriously proclaimed that Mark Jankowski was the best player in that class. Yeah, that's when right. The Flames took him twenty first overall. Now that was historically remembered as a class filled with with busts and disappointments, especially at the top Correct. of the board. Uh, it did also include like a handful of really really good defensemen: Philip Forsberg, Tomas Hurdle, Andre Vasilevsky. A lot of great players. So suffice to say, Mark Jankowski was not the best player in that class. But John Weisbrod. Here's a, a quick kind of uh, notes version of what he's done. He was the GM of the Albany River Rats in the AHL. He was the GM of the Orlando Solar Bears in the IHL. 
He was the GM of the Orlando Magic, where he traded away Tracy McGrady to the Houston Rockets. He was wow. the Bruins director of collegiate scouting. He was the Flames assistant GM when he had the uh, the Mark Janskowski saga. And he's currently the Canucks assistant GM and vice president. And there's a running joke locally here where no one really knows what he actually does. He just kind of skulks in the shadows behind the scenes and people speak very negatively about him. And, and mm-hmm. let's just say that after Jim Benning inevitably gets fired, I'm not sure how many more NHL opportunities John Weisbrod's going to have, but um, that's a story for another day. But this is a fascinating question. So where are you going with this? Because boy, we have a lot of, a lot of uh, there, good choices. There, there were three that immediately sprang to mind. And then I kind of had to fish around for the fourth one. I think a lot of people would expect us to say like Peter Chiarelli, but I got I got news for you. That guy won a Stanley cup uh, in the salary cap era and mm-hmm. made a lot of actually like pivotal moves to get them to that point. So like, I, Believe me, I get it, you know, but uh, I, I, I cannot in good conscience put him on there. The three that come to mind immediately, Jim Benning, of course, yes. uh, year 12 of the rebuild here. Uh, John Chaka. Yep. And Doug McClain. Those are those are the three that I was like, oh, I, I remember all those guys as being horrible. Yeah. Jim Benning's spending in free agency uh, certainly merits consideration here um in year eight now which makes him a top 10 longest tenure gm actively which is just amazing to think about incredible Um, i would submit paul fenton's 14 months with the minnesota wild that's Uh, a good that's a good call you know when we talk about hall of fame resumes and candidacies there's a question of peak versus longevity right (laughs) 14 months certainly it's it it doesn't have the longevity but man, was that 14 months of supernova? I mean, pound for pound, I don't think any GM had more amazing quotes, hilarious jokes made about them. Uh, obviously, the Victor Ask for Nito Need a Rider trade was epic. Uh, unfortunately, sadly, wasn't long around long enough. And he did get them Kevin Fiala um, on his way out. So it wasn't like catastrophic, clearly didn't set the franchise back by any means, but I think I'm going to certainly fondly remember the 14 months we had with Paul Fenton. Yeah. The, the thing that I always think about is uh, when, when Russo just put the boots to him on his way out the door. um, And there was the revelation that he skipped like team stuff to go to the Patriots Super Bowl parade. That (laughs) rocks that, you know what? Like if I felt like I was getting fired anyway, I, and I was, and I had, you know, whatever uh, a job that, paid me high six figures, low seven figures. Ooh, the stuff I would be doing instead of working. What a, what a guy. I mean, the, boy, the, oh boy. the Matt Zuccarello quote about how he's like a lizard. Of course. Um, describing his experience on the draft floor as uh, being amazed by the size of the lads who were walking up to the table that they were drafting. I mean, just good stuff. I, I had to, I had to look this up. So we're not including Mike Milbury, right? Because most of his damage came before the lockout. Yeah. And, and honestly, like, He's in his own category here. There's, it's not even a, a conversation. Yeah, there's a reason uh, Puck Daddy used to grade trades on a scale of one to five millberries. Yeah, let's put it that way. I, I will say, I do have Peter Shirelli on this, and I, I get it. I acknowledge the the Bruins part of this equation. Certainly, I I will say though. I mean, his job with the Oilers. Um, quick rundown. 
was unemployed for nine days after being fired by the Bruins. The Oilers traded the 53rd overall pick in the 2017 draft to acquire his rights so they could employ him willingly. He got to select Connor McDavid two minutes into the job, or two two months in the job, felt like two minutes. Uh, He traded the 16th and 33rd overall picks, 16th was Matt Barzell, for Griffin Reinhardt, who played 29 games with the team. He traded Adam Larson for Taylor Hall one for one, hilariously, only for Hall to win league MVP one year later. Now, Adam Larson, especially towards the end of his Oilers tenure, was legitimately a good defenseman. So it wasn't like catastrophic, but obviously hilarious. Traded Jordan Eberle. This is, I think, the most unheralded of the bunch. Traded Jordan Eberle the one year when Eberle, a career 13% shooter, dipped below 10% for like the first time in his career. Traded him one for one for Ryan Strom, who he then flipped for Ryan Spooner who he then flipped for Sam Gagne. Um, Amazing, amazing sequence. Gave Milan Lucic $42 million. Remarkably, made the playoffs once in four years with the best player on the planet. I really think it is a team sport, as we've seen, and not that the Oilers have had outstanding success since, but it's almost impossible, and he did the impossible. I think him just nuking the first however many years of McDavid's career is... An embarrassment, and I think for that reason, he has to be on this list. Yeah, and and the other thing to say is not only did he trade Taylor Hall one for one, Sagan trade, Dougie Hamilton trade, Bill Kessel trade, you know, like he traded all those guys. Now, granted, the Phil Kessel trade uh, got him got him Dougie and and Sagan, so I I, I get that, but you know, the, the this guy just doesn't go. Uh, you know, 18 months without uh, trading away a high first round pick for almost nothing. Yeah. And what was, what was that show the Bruins did behind the bees or whatever? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, that, I mean, one of the best YouTube clips of all time, where they're discussing the Tyler Sagan trade. I mean, Absolutely insane. Um, and, you know, like we actually recently had somebody ask a question of like, if you could change the outcome of one game or one series or whatever, um, what's different and one of the ones that i thought of was even if the bruins win against chicago in that they still probably trade tyler sagan because he didn't score any goals or whatever you know right uh that unbelievable yeah all right question two from your pal dan one uh to differentiate him from all the other pals named Dan. Uh, right. Who's one goalie sitting in the minors who you can see stepping in and grabbing a starter's net this season? Now, it's goalies, so honestly, who knows? There's only 32 starting gigs to go around. It just comes down to opportunity, which mostly comes down to someone ahead of you gets injured, and and who knows? Um, yeah. But you're a you're a big college guy. You you've seen some of the, some of these some of these goalies who are in the minors right now, maybe or, or have been names mm-hmm. in the past. Is there anyone that sticks out to you here that that I imagine this is a, a more of a, a fantasy hockey question in terms of someone trying to get <laughs> sure. get, a, get ahead and stash someone before their league mates can do so? But uh, are there any names you throw out there as like at least oh I'm interested in this guy maybe keep an eye out for him over the next couple of years if not this year? The, yeah, maybe not this season. Like this season, I think the the more obvious ones are like Stuart Skinner in Edmonton and Ugo Pekalukkanen in, in Buffalo, just because it's like well they don't really have. Right. any other options and you know one injury and those guys are pretty good or have pretty good track record so like one injury they could totally wally pip yep. you know somebody but more long term to your point about college hockey i've always felt like caden primo is like there's a goalie who has it 
You know what I mean? Um, just really, really strong both of his years in college and, and you know, uh, obviously not uh, great performances at the NHL level. But even in the AHL, he's been good to very good at a minimum. So I think I think that's that's like the goalie for the future in Montreal. Um, maybe it's not uh, revelatory to say that, but yeah. My my joke answer here is John Francois Berube, who people who have listened to the show for years. One of these know, days, he's going to gonna do it. Nine thirty three save percentage in six games of the Blue Jackets Ooh. AHL affiliate. What a what an all time AHL legend John Francois Berube is. Um, before the season, you know, you you brought up Stuart Skinner. He's obviously played remarkably well since Mike Smith's injury. He's at like a 940 save percentage in five games or something. Uh, yeah. We'll see. I actually would have said, uh, I'm not how familiar, I'm not sure how familiar you are with this guy, but Ilya Konovalov, who the Oilers took uh, in the third round a couple of years ago, had awesome KHL numbers, finally was coming overseas. I've got him stashed in a couple couple uh, okay. dynasty leagues that I play in. So I've been, I've been monitoring him now. It's been a bit of a bumpy introduction to North American hockey. He only six AHL games hasn't done particularly well, but certainly someone I'm keeping an eye on. Um, I would have thought you'd went with uh, with Philip Lindbergh. Hmm. Who, um, yeah, I, he, well, th- that's a guy. I mean, this is his first year of pro. Well, you know, so what what I'll say is what I look for in questions like this is just past success at lower levels because that's probably as good of an indicator as we have. Although yep. for goaltending, it could not necessarily mean anything, um, but also great environment, right? If like the, if the opportunity does arise, who do I have faith will put this young goalie in a position to succeed? Uh, we've seen the Penguins uh, promote goalies from Wilkesbury to immediate success in recent yes. years, and he obviously you never know how the transition from NCAA to pro hockey will go because it's such a gap in style of play and talent level, but. He seems to have been doing fine so far in his, so it might not necessarily be a this year type of thing, but considering how as good as Jari has been this so far this year, I'd say it's pretty open and they're a good defensive team. So that's something to keep in mind. And the other one is, uh, is Dustin Wolf. Sure. Who Markstrom's obviously great and assigned their long-term. Well, and and that's, that's the reason I didn't say Dustin Wolf, because I think Dustin Wolf is, you know, he's going to be a really good goalie for somebody. I don't know if it's going to be able to be Calgary just because of, yeah, well, and they have yeah, Lard Larda is playing well there, but like man, he fell so far in the draft because people were worried about his size, and all he does is just stop the pucks at a remarkably high rate yep. wherever he plays. And so I'm I'm interested to follow his career. Um, Gary Four Z, who is uh, always sends sends me good questions and always checks in with the podcast. So I wanted to give Gary a bit of love here. Who's uh, he asks who's struggling right now that that figures it out, and or alternatively, who looks good now but is going to come back down to earth. And are we talking teams or players or I go, I go, I go, I mean, you can take it either way. I, I viewed it from a, a team perspective here, but I'm sure he'd appreciate any, any, any choice. Uh, all right. So struggling teams that I, that I'm pretty confident are going to figure it out. Like the two that spring to mind and like struggling being a relative term here, Vegas right. and Boston, right? Like those are two teams where with Vegas, you can say it's been a million injuries. And with Boston, you can say, uh, you know, they're used to having borderline elite goaltending. And this year they've been average to even sub average a little bit. Right. Um, you know, the, the thing, the thing with the Bruins in particular is I, I wrote about this on, on EP ringside last week, I guess. Um, of like all the things that people said, Ooh, the Bruins, I don't know, like everything you could have possibly said 
was going to be their problem has been their problem. You know, right. um, Olmark hasn't been great. Uh, and Swayman maybe doesn't look like he's ready for prime time. Well, I think Swayman actually looks fine. I, I well, think- right. But like it, it, p- as, as a one B option, he's well, maybe fine. Like, of course, they, but they need him to be better to justify taking Olmark's job. And they just gave Olmark five years or whatever. So. Well, no, I think that's the big question. Like certainly you're not giving 65 games or whatever Swayman this year, but with Rask coming back at some point, conceivably TBD question yeah. mark, um, just giving Allmark $20 million the way they did to be used this way is, is a bizarre allocation of resources for a franchise that obviously um, needs to maximize every single dollar they have at the moment available to them. So for me, Absolutely. that was just, that was just like a bad decision at the time. And it looks even worse now. Yeah. And then the other thing, you know, again, like their, their decisions this summer up front in particular uh, were, were weird where, you know, they get, they get Eric Holla, they get uh, Nick Bellino, uh they extend Taylor Hall. Um, and all of this, of course, is in the absence of David Krejci, where they go, oh, we'll figure out who our number two center is some other day. And like, you know, you, you see it now and like Taylor Hall, he's playing really well, but the puck's not going in for him in part because he has to do everything himself. Well, I think the bigger issue is like, I think Charlie Coyle is fine, but it would, yeah, you're right. Like he now has to play second center because they don't have anyone else. And if they did have someone, he'd be amazing as their third guy. Um, Correct. I had this stat on a recent show where they, I think, without Bergeron or Coyle on the ice. So basically their bottom six minutes, they have like, they had four goals in like the first 355 on five minutes or something like that. Like it's right. just unacceptable. And yeah, you're right. It's like the, such an easy thing to see coming from a mile away. And the fact that they didn't really do anything about it. Like, we'll see what happens towards the traded line, but like they have to address that. Right. Yeah. Um, but then uh, I, I can't remember who, who their game on, on Sunday or Saturday was against, but at some point over the weekend, Matt Porter uh, from the globe uh, tweeted out that uh, guys not on the Bergeron line um, had scored nine of the Bruins last 10 goals. So if they Mm. can figure that part of it out, then there's, there's a lot less to worry about, but I, I think they, again, they should be in the market for a, for a guy who's going to be a better center than Charlie Coyle at that, in that part of the lineup. How many of those 10 goals were by uh sniper Derek Forbore? Derek Forbore, yeah. yeah. That's right. You bring a guy like that in for offense, and finally he's delivering. It's good to see it happen. Um, my choice here was the Seattle crack, and you the key word being relative that you said earlier. Clearly yeah. an imperfect team. Uh, you know, there's certain performance indicators you see with them, like they're 22nd on the power play or something in terms of scoring efficiency. That's probably reflective of the way they built their roster, and I don't think we should expect them to be really? elite. They're probably not I'd also not a five, twelve, and one team or whatever. I started four, twelve, and one. Uh no teams giving up a lower rate of shots or high danger chances against. They give up the third fewest rush chances per game. And none of it's mattered because they're getting 858 goaltending from Philip Grubauer and Chris Jeter right now, right? And so like they're giving up the ninth fewest expected goals against, but the most actual goals against. And it's led to an interesting discussion where everyone's like, oh, well, of course, like Grubauer went from Colorado to Seattle. What did you expect? And it's like, well, 
I think there has to be some sort of a middle ground here, right? Like no one, you can acknowledge that he wasn't, <laughs> of course. he wasn't deserving of a Vesna finalist nomination or $35 million contract he got this summer. He's probably not like the worst goalie in NHL history. So I think some right. sort of a regression will probably lead to better results and they'll turn this around at least to some degree. Like their underlying numbers have actually been pretty good since basically Dull, yeah. came back. So I don't think they're great, but I certainly don't think they're this bad. Right. Uh, what What about uh, teams that look good right now that you think that's not going to last? Because the, the one that springs to mind for me is uh, the Rangers, right? Like their right. their underlying numbers are not good. They keep winning all these games mostly because of Shisirkin. Um I, I don't I, I don't buy it with them. Even even acknowledging they have a handful of really good, exciting players. I don't think they're anywhere near this good. Yeah, all their performance underlying indicators scream regression candidate. At the same time, I'm hesitant to label them as such because Panarin, Fox, and Shusterkin in particular are all so elite at their positions that I <laughs> I just, even if they fall off, like they're going to drag them to a certain baseline, right? So like each game where they yes. keep banking points is is huge for them because like, I don't know. I just see, it just seems bizarre to me. Like clearly the way they approach this off season was, was misguided and short-sighted and they weren't nearly as deep or talented as they probably thought they were to justify those moves. But at the same time, when you have those players, they're going to elevate your baseline so high that. Yeah, uh, right. Look. Yeah, I guess much like Seattle, we're talking about like right. regressing to uh, maybe they're like the the 15th best team in the league instead of the 7th or 8th or where, wherever they're at right now. Yeah, I thought that that recent game they played against the Sabres was like the perfect encapsulation, right? Where it was just so sloppy and you could see the problems. And then at the same time, I mean, just certainly wasn't in at the start of that game, but at the same time, they just scored their way out of trouble. And at the end, like their top players made a great play and they snuck out the win. And yeah, that happens. Yeah. Um, all right, let's let's move on. Uh Wildwing89 here asks thoughts on the upcoming roster decisions for Anaheim. Um, are they worth are any of their uh older players worth hanging on to as I assume their new contracts will not be cheap, or do the age curves not line up with the team trajectory even if they keep playing well? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, th- th- this is my longstanding uh thing in in regards to all hockey teams. Uh if you have a pending, if you're not particularly competitive for a Stanley Cup and you have a, p- a pending UFA. Have a good one. Thanks for your service. Uh, you know we're gonna take we're gonna take some picks and prospects and like you, the 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 guys that are on the way out there. It's like Ryan Getzlaff, who you can probably get somebody to give you something for. But would you want to trade a career duck? I get I get not wanting to do that. Uh, but with like Josh Manson, uh, Ricard Raquel, and and uh, Hampus Lindholm. All those guys are going to be like 28, 29, 30 this summer. Mm-hmm. What are you keeping? Like the Speaking of candidates to regress, the Anaheim Ducks are not going to make the playoffs this year in all likelihood. Um, John Gibson is playing out of his mind, and it's nice to see him playing at that level again. But I, I think you trade everybody who's not nailed down um, – and and you maybe try to angle it so you can get some guys who are a little more NHL ready than than uh, 
picks for them. But like if I if someone calls me about Ricard Raquel and says we'll give you a first round pick, I'm gonna say, Yeah, absolutely, you know. No, certainly. I I've got a couple duck, ducks takes here. So what are they they're 10, 6, and 3 at the moment with a plus 13 goal differential. Yeah. Uh, they just came off a, a 10 game point streak, which was recently snapped out of their nine losses. Just one was by more than one goal. Um, and like they're benefiting from a high shooting percentage. Most of it seems like it's just their power play has been insanely hot. Like their yeah. five on five numbers are certainly not great. I don't think they're okay. Yeah. But they're a significant improvement from where they've been in the past. And, and, course, and I, yeah. I think that the that relativity term here is huge because even if they are playing over their heads so far, uh, they haven't been a mess. Uh, and there's a legitimate reason to be excited. They've been f- fun to watch. And yep. that's such a massive improvement over where they've been in the past. And I would say, like, this is a really tough thing to quantify, obviously, but having an environment like that is so important when it comes to integrating young players, like just to ensure that they're not getting just completely crushed and having their souls sucked out of them on a nightly basis. Like every time they show up to the rink, they're losing 5-1 in an embarrassing fashion. I think yeah. having that type of energy is is very valuable for the Zegerses and the Drysdales of the world. Um, at the same time though, you're right. They, they hold a card. They hold the keys to what could happen at the trade deadline, right? Like imagine Lindholm, Raquel, Manson, and Getzlaff are of significant interest to a lot of contending teams. And so regardless of how the next couple months go, even if they keep winning games, they need to be proactive and take a bigger picture view of this. Getzlaff can kind of pick where he wants to go. And if he wants to go, cause he has that no move clause. Um, if he wants to go somewhere to try to win a cup and then come back this summer in another one-year deal, sign me up for the others though. You're right. You have to trade them because like, you're not getting them long-term deals. It makes no sense for you to do. Yeah. So. It would be, it would be a huge waste of resources. It would be negligent. And especially like, we'll see what the market is like for them. Um, but I remember in 2016, the ducks really leveraged Lindholm and Raquel in terms of like they used their RFA status against them and, and got them into these very team-friendly deals where they're making much less than they're actually worth on the market. And so I imagine yeah. both those guys will probably want to, at this stage of their career, age 29, 20, yeah. 20 and 29, give me, I'm going to go to the team that gives me the most dollars no matter what, right? Like that's probably right. going to be their thinking. So something to consider. Um, all right, next question. From Z underscore A underscore Klein. What were you most wrong about coming into the season? And they know... Uh, this question is for me because Ryan is never wrong. At the same time, though, Ryan, what were you most wrong about? If you, um, if you were wrong about something, of course. I, I, yeah, I mean, you're all. This is the NHL. You're always going to be wrong about some team, right? So, I think the obvious answer is Vancouver. I think everybody thought they were borderline playoff competitive instead of one of the three or four worst teams in the league. Um, a team everybody was wrong about. I can't imagine anybody had this, saw this one coming. Uh, the New York Islanders are awful. Mm. They're really bad. Okay. Well, let, let me, let me tie this in then. Cause Benny profane, what a name says the Metro is a, is a division from hell considering American Thanksgiving is right around the corner. Do you see the Islanders continuing to under, underachieve miss the playoffs? Uh, yeah, I think, cause here's the thing. They don't even have to underachieve at this point to miss the playoffs, right? Like if they tomorrow start playing like what we think of the New York Islanders playing like, they're going to miss the playoffs because everybody in that division is like six or seven points ahead of them already. Yep. You know, and 
you know, again, like to, to the point about the, the Rangers overperforming. Sure. But they have more than twice as many points with only three extra games played than the Islanders do. So like, even if the Rangers come back to earth and Columbus, of course, is going to come back to earth, but like New Jersey, maybe gets its act together a little bit. If, uh, or when Jack Hughes comes back, Pittsburgh, obviously will be buoyed a little bit by Evgeny Malkin. And those are two teams that are well outside the, the Metro playoff picture right now. Mm -hmm. So the, the fact that the Islanders probably need to play at like a hundred plus point pace the entire rest of the season when they don't, you know, under Barry Trotz, like they're a pretty good regular season team, but one that's always like, well, we did have a 13 game point streak back there. And then we're, we're not going to talk about most of the rest of the season because the less said, the better, you know? Well, they're five, eight and two right now. They've lost their last six games by a 27 to six margin. Um, they didn't play a single home game before this past weekend. Right. And that's the, that is the other thing to say they have, you know, they started 13 games on the road. So also they're, I mean, their roster right now, especially the past couple of games, has just been devastated. Yep, absolutely. Um, Uh, But again, like if everything goes back to normal tomorrow, they have a huge hole to dig out of. Well, and here's the thing. Last year, I actually noted this at the time and and thought about it before the season started. Last year, their top four in the blue line played all 56 regular season games and then all 19 playoff games. And that is remarkably rare. And not that, oh, they were due to be on the COVID list, of course, that no one's saying that. But that type of remarkable health isn't necessarily translatable from one year to the next. And Ryan Pulak's out for four to six weeks now. Pelik's in the protocol. Um, they've just been had a year from hell. And make matters worse, they're shooting under 7% across all situations as a team, which is league worse, despite generating a decent level of chances. So really everything that could have gone wrong has so far. I still have enough respect for Barry Trotz and and the the, the structure there that I could see them rattling off a, a good stretch once they get healthy, but yep, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's tough because we note this every year as the season goes along, leapfrogging teams become so difficult because they're all just playing each other every night. And there's so many three point games that gaining any sort of tangible ground, like it seems achievable where you're like, Oh, we're only six points back, but you go 10, two and one over a couple of weeks and you've gained two points because the other teams have also been squeezing out a bunch of overtime losses and stuff. Right. So it's, it's really difficult in this league. Once you dig dig a hole like this for yourself to make up any ground. And you didn't mention the flyers amongst that list of Metro teams who are at least respectable. Like there's, if CBJ is going to be at least competent, there's just no weak link where you're just guaranteed two points whenever you play them. And so it's, it's really tough. So let's put it this way Uh, in both, you know, just like the standings writ large and also points pace. Uh, they're behind the Buffalo Sabres. So, yeah. Okay. Um, I, I guess I would have said the Ducks being this exciting so far was sure. something I started, I didn't see coming, but we just talked about them. So I'll go a different direction. Um, Carolina Hurricanes goaltending, something I was like keeping the door open was the possibility that they may have overthought things this offseason when they didn't want to pay Nikovic yeah. and let Mrazic go. And then they just completely replaced them with Anderson and Ranta. And now as a group, they have the third best save percentage of five on five and second yep. overall. And Freddie Anderson is just posting obscene numbers, uh, plus 12.5 goals. They were expected in 13 games so far. So we'll see. It's still TBD. Obviously this team is going to be judged at this point based on how they do in the postseason and not regular season because they need to take that next step. But, um, 
I look like an idiot, I guess, so far for, for questioning it because they seem to be doing perfectly fine. Yeah. I, I thought that I thought they, even in other positions, you know, like replacing Dougie Hamilton with Tony D'Angelo as like their power play weapon. Yeah. Hasn't hurt him at all. You know, um, I, th- I and the other, the other team I thought would maybe struggle a bit more just based on the losses, uh, was Tampa and they're like, yeah, we're fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Uh, from Harrison Brown here, what's more likely this year, 50 goals for Alex Ovechkin or 150 points from McDavid? 150 is so many. I got to go 50 from Ovechkin just because we have proof of concept there. You know, like what does Ovechkin do? He scores 50 goals a year. He doesn't do a lot of other stuff, especially anymore. But one thing he always does is scores 50 goals. He's got 15 already. You know, I can absolutely see him getting to 50 again. Whereas, you know, 150 for McDavid, obviously well within reach, but. There's a, there's a tweet out there where there's a quote from Pierre Maguire. In 2013, he was asked if Alex Ovechkin will ever score 50 goals again, and he said no. Yeah, sure. And then obviously he did it a, a couple of years right after that, but almost a decade later, still, uh, still, still doing his thing. So currently they're on pace, 65 goals for Ovechkin, 154 points for McDavid, so they're both clipping over that. Now Dom's updated projection has them at 56 goals for Ovechkin and only 100 only. 142 points from McDavid. Pathetic. Now that's assuming 82 games played for both, which obviously isn't a given in any year, let alone a year where we're just seeing players going to COVID protocol and miss games at a time. I This is a tough one for me because I'm in no position to bet against McDavid. Like he has a point in 25 consecutive regular season games dating back yeah, to last year. It, every night he doesn't have two or three points. I'm surprised. So... At that point, you like, yes, I believe that he could very easily get over 150 points the way he's playing. 100%. The thing with Ovechkin, though, man, um, the volume is just insane. Like, he's playing even more this year. They're using him, obviously, in, in scoring situations, but he's on pace for 350 shots again. <laughs> uh, so, like, hell yeah. Here's the thing like, he just scored his first goal of the year on that patented one-timer versus the Sharks over the weekend. So right. it's a big hit for all the people saying he's just a one-trick pony. Like he's scoring in so many different ways. He's doing it without Backstrom around at all so far. Mm-hmm. And he's done it. You could even argue he's due for some positive regression. He's only scored three times in the power play despite a league-leading 64 attempts. So, man, I, I, I love so much. Like obviously the chase is remarkable. The fact that we're talking about a 36-year-old with – nearly 1400 combined games in the NHL. Uh, I love everything about this Ovechkin story so much. I hope it never ends. I, I just, I'm there. I'm honestly like, I love McDavid's the number one player in terms of just watching and enjoying what he's capable of, but seeing Ovechkin score goals brings me more joy than anything in the league right now. Yeah. That every time, like even like if I'm not watching a Capitals game and I look at my phone and I see he had another goal, like I feel like uh, when you know, like in old movies, when a guy would be looking at a newspaper and like a horse he bet on wins, and he's like he just like slaps the newspaper like how it, it worked. I that's what I feel like every time I see Ovechkin scored another goal and like that crazy son of a bitch he did it. He did it, he did again. it again. Yeah. I, I love, love it. it. So good. Every deep playoff run starts with building an amazing team. Doing the same for your business doesn't take a room full of scouts. 
you just need Indeed. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Hate waiting? Indeed's US data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. Something I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because with virtual interviews, Indeed saves you time. You can message, schedule, and interview top talent all in one place. Indeed knows that when you're growing your business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why when you sponsor a job, you only pay for quality applications from resumes in our database matching your job description. Visit indeed.com slash blue wire to start hiring today. Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Recognize employees with Custom Inc. Show customer appreciation with Custom Inc. Outfit your teams with Custom Inc. Easily add your logo to your favorite products and brands at custominc.com. Make Custom Inc. your custom gear partner with great customer service, quality products, and all-in pricing, along with personalized help when you need it and an easy-to-use website when you don't. All backed by a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Do it all today at custominc.com. Um, okay, Tyler Bryant here asks, first it was Louis Erickson, then it was Sasha Barkov, but now who is the most actual, most underrated player in the league? You go first, because I, I have I have one guy I'm thinking of, but I don't know if you would say he's underrated or proper. Well, what I would preface this with, it's it's really hard in 2021 to actually be underrated because everyone is just aware of everyone. Like we're not at yeah. the point anymore where people are like only watching their team because that's the only game being televised. And they're like looking at the newspaper to look at box scores to see how players are doing. Like everyone knows if you're a good player, regardless of which market you play in, you might not get as much coverage as if you play on the Leafs or the Rangers or whatever, but people are going to be aware that you're good. Now, with that being said, my pick here is Oliver Bjorkstrand, who is a really, really good player who is scoring at a very high rate yet again. And because he plays on the Blue Jackets and because he's kind of this like quiet player who no one really would be able to pick out of a line or, or, or ever gives any remarkable quotes, no one really knows about him. But man, he is he's just been really good for a while now. So I think he's my pick for this. Okay, so then I think you you would say that my my choice is probably not going to be <laughs> that underrated, but I, I put down Kyle Connor. Um, I think he's remarkably good. Yeah. Um, and and uh, I just looked it up since he came into the league at whatever he was like nineteen years old or something twenty I don't know. Uh, he is twenty seventh in uh, league scoring. I don't think anybody would have uh, would have said that that was a possibility. And he and I would say he also, you know, like a lot of the guys on this list, it's like, well, Connor McDavid and Leon McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, uh, they play together. Nathan McKinnon and Miko Ranton, and they play together. The guys on the Bruins, they play together. And Kyle Connor, like obviously, like Mark Shifley has also been producing at a pretty high level this whole time, but like. You never hear about Kyle Connor, even out of the Winnipeg media, right? Like they're all they're always all about Shifley and and 
uh, and Blake Wheeler to a lesser extent. And, and Kyle Connor is kind of uh, just like, oh yeah, he's, he's pretty good too. It's also really tough because if you start pro- producing at a certain rate, like you instantly become overrated or I guess over talked right. about, right? Like it's like almost impossible to maintain being under the radar. Uh, yeah. and, and he has because, because of the names around him. Um, yeah, he's been insanely good this year. Um, the, the proper answer probably here is like someone like Alex Ayafalo or someone random sure, like, where like they actually are a pretty good player, but no one has ever had any conversations about them. Especially um, because, you know, the, like Bjorkstrand at least has the capability of like, oh, that's, that's a guy who can put up. Big. Now, obviously, he leads Columbus in, in scoring this year. Whereas, like, Alex Hayafalo, like, career ceiling is, like, fifth best scorer on your team. Yes. You know? On the Los Angeles Kings, yeah. Yeah. I think that's, uh, yeah. I don't, maybe, um, I'm not sure many, how many people are paying attention to the year Timo Meyer is having, maybe. He could be a good one. Like, obviously, people know him because, player, because yeah. he was a top prospect and and killed it for San Jose during their playoff run a couple of years ago. But yeah, he's, he's been very good. Um, all right. I think well, I, had, I had one other question here from Jason gold, who, who was like, he just pointed out that Johnny Goodrow has 22 points this season. Three are on the power play. Sean Monaghan has nine points this season and seven on the power play. They play on the same unit together. How is this possible? And that's a, that's a fun stat. Obviously it's random and not predictive and that could easily flip, but I, I, I love that. Johnny Goodrow has been really, really, really good Man. this year. Man, he the, the game he played against the Flyers the other night was arguably one of the best games from start to finish that I've seen this year. Yeah, he uh it, it, it feels to me like this is a, a very good player who is also in a contract here. If if I had to if I had to put my finger on what <laughs> what might be motivating Johnny Goodrow this season to go absolutely freak mode. Uh, I, I think that's it. But the other thing uh, to the to how is it possible? Uh, Sean Monahan kind of is a pretty one dimensional player, and he's really good at that one dimension, which is putting the puck in the net. Mm. And then a lot of the other stuff he does, mm, you know, you live with it because he's good at putting the puck in the net. Yeah, they really missed the, like everything has gone right for Calgary this year, and they look legitimately good. The man missing the boat on trading Sean Monahan while they could for a good return was uh, was tough. Yep. Yep. Um, all right. Well, that, that's going to be, we had a couple others here, but I feel like we kind of covered the main ones. Was there anything else from, from the list of questions that, that uh, you really wanted to talk about? Oh, I, I did. I did like this one. Uh, well, there, I, there were two left uh, one, that I think we didn't cover is okay. one. Does Thomas Hurdle leave San Jose? Yeah, he does. Nothing else to say about it really. And then how about this one? If, if you could guarantee one player this year would go on an absolute PDO bender, which player would make the most fascinating or chaotic scoring line. Lucic scoring 50, Scott Wedgwood 15 shutouts. What do you got? And my answer was I'd love for one of the Coyotes goalies to absolutely ruin their tank, like 950 for three months. And just like, well, we can't, uh, we can't be last anymore. Or along similar lines, I would love it if Thatcher Demko just started playing out of his mind, got the Canucks, this close to the play, you guys can't see it uh, listening, but I'm right. holding my fingers really close together. Uh, get them that close to the playoffs, and then they still miss. I think those would be the two uh, really, like, truly chaotic uh, runs that I would like to see a player go on. Well, I don't, I don't know how much better Thatcher Demko could 
humanly play than he already has. Like he's we'll been find out. He's been good. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so the Scotch one, Scott Wedger one would be funny. I think it would be even funnier if it was like Corel Vimelka, just because yeah, sure. he's young enough and unknown enough of a commodity that like they couldn't just necessarily punt him. Right. Like if if, if Wedgwood got hot, they wouldn't allow him to get 15 shutouts. They would just trade him like just like the Sabres Absolutely. did during those tank years with like Chad Johnson and uh you know, Michael Neuberth or whoever it was, like they wouldn't allow that to happen. Whereas if it was Vanelka, they'd be like, all right, well, shit, like we kind of, we got to need, need, need to see this through a little right. bit. And then you'd have Tyson Nash trying to make Corel the thrill happen and, and all this crazy stuff on their broadcast. So yeah, I, I think, I think the, the only problem with that being the answer is any goalie having a, like a chaotically good run. Sure. It's like, I think we've all as a, as a society come to accept that as a possibility. Whereas like when yeah. a, if a random player scores an insane amount of goals, that's like still, even though people understand shooting percentage variance, it's still like tougher to justify or, or you can see all these pieces being like, well, he's getting to all the right spots or he's, he's got a knack for converting. Like, so. Jane Beagle 60 point season then. Is that what you're, is that what you're thinking? Maybe. Yeah. I guess the right answer here is like any, any impending free agent who actually isn't good doing the David Clarkson and then getting paid a lot. Yeah. Like for our purposes, that's the best answer. Yeah, for sure. It's it just, it just gives us something to write about in the summer. Can you believe they gave blank that contract? Okay. We're done for the day. This is crazy. It hasn't worked for anyone else so far, but for us, it could be different. Um, <laughs> all right. Plug some stuff, Ryan, speaking of writing and all that, um, where can people check out your work and uh, what are you working on or what have you been putting out or just give the people something to, uh, to look yeah, at. sure. EPRingside.com, me and Dimitri are writing there. Oh, so much these days. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, if you use the code I love EP, all one word at checkout when you get an annual subscription, don't you can't try this with the monthly, but with the annual, you'll get an extra three months tacked on at the end for free. So that's just something for you to think about. Yeah. Um, and I, I will say to, to that point, um, like we do have other promos that come around every once in a while. I, I understand there's so many things to subscribe to these days and not everyone has the budget to, to do. So I, I totally understand when people are like, oh, listen, I just can't justify it at this time, but you can, I, I believe for free subscribe to the lead prospects newsletter or whatever. And then we just send you like a roundup of some free articles and links every week to check out as well. So I know they want us to plug that. So I, I, people can do that if, if they can't subscribe. See, I didn't get the memo that we were supposed to plug that or I would have, um, but yeah, uh, and then also, of course, the Puck Soup podcast. Uh, we're on Patreon. Uh, just you know, type that into Google. You'll you'll find it pretty easily. Uh, and I feel like that's about it for me, plug wise. So yep. All right. Well, I'll do my plugs. Go subscribe to Deep Your Inside, where both of us write. The, the that's right. The the unique content up there is remarkable, and none of it is from the two of us. Like just to say that. Like the the stuff people like Mitch Brown and David St. Louis are putting out with their like film room sessions and scouts notebooks and stuff like that. Like that is, if you're a hockey fan, especially if you're a nerd and and you're listening to this podcast, so you probably are like, you got to be getting in on that. Um, As we mentioned though, Ryan and I are doing a weekly mailbag that we're alternating. So send us your questions at mailbag at eliteprospects.com and uh, yeah, go rate and review the, the PDO cast, go listen to the Canucks deep dive. We put out recently the watchability rankings, all that good stuff. And Ryan, enjoy your uh, your upcoming Thanksgiving. Thanks for taking the time to chat. Thanks, and we will brother. certainly have you back on soon. All right. Have a good one, bud. The Hockey PDO Cast.
on Twitter at Dim Filipovich and on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash hockey PDOcast.